Hello, good evening. We come to Genesis chapter 16 and we're going to talk about the conflict in Abraham's household. And here we begin with that and you're going to see in the conflict what goes in in the house of Abraham. And it says in verse 1, And now Sarai, Abraham's wife, bare him no children. And he said, and he had an handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Haggai. And unquestionably, Abraham had a crisis in his household. And as we see here, that Sarai had no children. He bare no children. And as he admitted it to the Lord in Genesis 15, verse 2, he says, And Abraham said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. Here we see Abraham's heart desire as he complains to God about a child. And now here is the present situation and crisis that will result to a solution here of Abraham and his wife Sarai impregnating an Egyptian woman uh, which came back from them from Egypt remember when I, I was I said that Abraham took a, a package when he went down to Egypt he, he took a package from the king of Pharaoh and he came back and now we see the package this woman is from Egypt this is one of the handmaids that the king of Pharaoh gave to Abraham as he left and she was identified in both accounts as an Egyptian woman here and in also in Genesis 21 verse 9 it says and Sarah saw the son of Haggai the Egyptian which she had born unto Abraham mocking now she was an Egyptian woman Haggai and later on we will talk about the allegory of Hagar what she represents and but here uh, they found a solution to the problem and this is a handmade solution kind of like Cain and um, Adam and Eve when they put so fig leaves together this is the handmade this is what man is producing towards God and this is not of course not what God wants and that's not what God is going to accept God does not accept handmade solution and here you see also no the devil comes here again after the blessing or before you know God blessed Abraham with a covenant if you read in chapter 15 God is blessing Abraham with the covenant he made a covenant with Abraham and then this comes and here you see Satan uses his wife. He didn't say, obviously, he didn't say that Satan uh, used Sarah, but you can see that you can identify the serpent here in the background. And in verse 2, it says, And Sarai said unto Abram, Behold, now the Lord had restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid, 
it may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai. And it is apparent that the Lord closed the womb of Sarai. And similarly to in Genesis 20 verses 18, it says that the Lord closed the womb of Abimelech and all the maid servants to, that to, for them to bear a child. And God is the one that closed the womb. For this purpose, the Messiah is to be born and through the line of Abraham. Likewise, when God called, calls the husband, if, if God, Abraham was called out to become a nation, and here Sarai is the wife of Abraham, and now she has to suffer too. And this is her suffering to not have children, because now the Lord closed her womb for definite higher purpose than she can even conceive at a time and not having children and this is this was it but here they're going to result in the custom of a, of the day the custom of the day is that if if a woman is barren um, she is to have children by her handmaid and the same as leah and rachel we're going to see that in later chapter but uh two of jacob's wife in and giving they are handmaids for Jacob to produce an offspring. But here, it's not a strange thing in that day, in that time of day, when a woman, when a man and a woman have no child, they can use their concubines to have children. As today, people use surrogates. You know, obviously, it's not a concubine, but people use surrogates. But here, that's not the problem. The problem here is that Abraham and Sarai. Uh, did not wait upon God. You know, you notice here, they did not wait upon God because God had made a promise. Also, you notice here in the word, uh, again, it says the word go into. It says go into unto. The verse here in verse 2 in, in relation to Sarai and Abraham. You know, he asked to go into Hagar. Also, if you look at in Genesis from Genesis 30, from verses 3 to 22, the word again go into in relation to Jacob, Rachel, and Leah um, conflict is recorded twice again. And this is to bear children, go into again, not God's approval. These sexual encounters, all these sexual encounters that happened here was not God's approval. And these were, you know, they were trying to manufacture a child. And again, he repeats, he says, in, in, he says in verse 2, he says, And Sarah said unto, her husband, unto Abraham, Behold, now the Lord had restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go into my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her, and Abraham hearkened to the voice of our wife, his wife. But again, the Lord restrained her. This was not God's um, will to have this child. So this is what Sarah and Sarah, Abraham's wife, manufactured out to do. And in verse three, it says, "And Sarai, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, 
her maid, the Egyptian, after Abraham had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan and gave her to her husband, Abraham, to be his wife. As you can see, Sarai is the one that is committing this act. And it says that Sarah took Hagar, her handmaid. And this was 10 years after Canaan, after Abraham has been in Canaan. And he gave this woman, Hagar, to be his wife. And of course, this is temporary wife. And then in verse 4, it says, And he went into unto her. And he went in unto her. Again, this is one of the sex I said that it's not it's not a uh, proper sex. You know, this was not this was just a manufacturing, um, you know, to manufacture a child here, and that this is not God's ordained uh, ordained sexual encounter. And he says, as she conceived, and when she saw that she had conceived. Her mistress was despised in her hand, in her eyes. And here again, it says, he went into her and she conceived and became pregnant. And it says that when Hagar saw that she had conceived, she looked down on Sarah. Now, on her misery, she looked down on Sarah's misery. She, she um, in Hagar's eyes, it says that she was despised. Sarai was despised in her eyes. The woman of the house no longer became a woman of the house. And she was, it says that she was despised. She despised her because of this. And then, because now she has now becoming, you know, gotten what she couldn't have. And so she has, you know, one, one notch over her now. And here it says in verse 5, and Sarai said unto Abraham, My wrong be upon thee. I have given my maid into thy bosom. And when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judge between me and thee. Now Sarah realized that she has made um, a, a huge blunder. And she said, My wrong be upon me. You know, did she know that she... She has made a huge blunder now, but again, she blames her husband, Abraham, by saying, the Lord judge between me and thee. And in other words, the Lord will hear our case. Why? You know, they're feeling guilty on these, these two. After doing this, they know that this is not God's will. They're feeling guilty. The guilt comes here and they know they have done wrong. And this was not God's well for them again historical fact does not mean that it's god's approval this was recorded because the bible is a historical fact doesn't mean that god approve it everything that is written in the bible everything in the written in the bible is not god's doesn't mean that god approves everything here you know god does not approve we're going to see slavery and bondage here later on doesn't mean that God approves it, but again, it's recorded because it's a historical fact here that happened. And this was the custom of the day, you know, does not also mean God's approval. The custom of the day in the biblical times, like I mentioned before, the concubines were taken, 
to replace a woman who is feeling that she is shamed because she, she, she couldn't bear a child. That's what they do in those days. But here they were called to walk by faith. Abraham to call to walk by faith. Now, here's the contradiction here of Romans 4.20 because he said that um, Abraham did not stagger in unbelief. You know, what does that mean? It says Abraham did not stagger, but here he said that he was, you know, he kind of have a hiccup blunder here, you know, but here, what was it? Was Roman 4.20 talking about Sarah? You know, was was it talking about he staggered because Sarai, he didn't think Sarai was going to be um, having children at, at her age because God promised that Sarai is going to be, um, is going to have children through, um, through Abram. And here Sarai was, Sarai was already past the childbearing age. Was that talking about the fact that Abraham did not believe that God was going to produce a child through Sarai? No, that's not what he's saying. You know, this is uh, concerning the promise of Abraham having a child with Sarai almost past bearing age. Abraham believed God that is going to happen. And that is what the scripture was referring and then in verse 6, it says in verse 6, in Genesis verse 6, But Abraham said unto Sarai, Behold, thy handmaid is in thy hand. Do to her as it pleased thee. And when Sarai dealt with her, she fled from her face. And here you see, you see Abraham said to Sarai, Do as you please. And Sarai dealt hardly. She dealt hardly with Haggai, and Haggai fled from her face. And here you see the conflict in Abraham's household. Just like he says that the word fled from her face is kind of like Moses fleeing from the face of Pharaoh. In Exodus 2, uh, 15, he says, Now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh, and he dwelt in the land of Midian, and he said, he sat down by the well. And here you see that Haggai is a similar word to, to fleeing, means Haggai ran away from Sarai, her mistress, and she, she excounted, ran away. And you're going to see that here in, also in verse 7. And it says that the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of waters in the wilderness and by the fountain of the way of Saul. And Abraham, on her way to Saul, they says here, on her way to Saul, the Lord met her on the, on the fountain. And here the wilderness of Saul was on Moses' day. And the wilderness of Saul is what the, the children of Israel, when they were crossing to the desert, you know, they saw that they were in the wilderness of Saul and there were no more fountain there. But here there was a fountain here. They mentioned the fountain 
was there, which um, hey guys came and just sat on this fountain. And verse, it says here in verse 8, it says, And he said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, when comest thou, and whither wilt thou go? And she said, I flee from the face of my mistress, Sarai. Here you see the personality of the Lord Jesus Christ in asking question. And he says, when comest thou? In other words, whither wilt thou Whither will thou go? And here the angel of the Lord, as mentioned here, is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And he found her. And here the Lord Jesus Christ, this is the character of God. And he seeks out the lost. He seeks out those that are backslidden. He goes after those that are disfranchised. And she is obviously in the desert by herself and she ran away from home and again mentioning this angel of the lord came and this is the uh, pre-incarnated christ jesus it's called the, the angel of the lord in the old testament and here it says when comest thou and whither wilt thou go and softly he comes in here with compassion to uh, draw this woman to him and he says where are you going where are you running to and he's, in verse 9 it says and the angel of the Lord said unto her return to thy mistress and submit thyself unto her hand now in other words he's telling her two things here it says to go back to your mistress number one and number two is to submit yourself to her the word of god calls for servants to submit to their um masters and here even in in titus 2 verse 9 it says exalt servants to be obedient unto their own masters and to please them well in all things answering not again so the, the main thing here is humility um and being submissive you know it's not that god supports uh oppression because obviously hagar this servant woman was being suppressed by sarai her mistress but eventually god is going to uh, release her from sarai but here but in the meantime we are to submit to those who are in authority authority and this is the Christian living and a life of submissive, being submissive to the authority, being submissive to one another. And the safest place for believers is to is a life of submission to and being submissive to God and also God's commandments. And for Hagar here, she's a servant girl and the only safest place for her is to be submissive in the hand of a mistress however the, however the pain is god is providing and gonna make uh, provision for her so in verse 10 he says and the angel of the lord said unto her i will multiply thy seed exceedingly 
that it shall not be numbered for multitude. You see, God gave her a promise to multiply her seed. And furthermore, this is the character of God. You know, we will make all bad things to good. And he's going to make all these things to, um, to come to good. And despite the oppression, this is God's grace. This is the grace of God. It says, and I will multiply thy seed exceedingly that it shall not be numbered for multitude. And this was her promise. And Ishmael's, this is their promises, not Abraham. Abraham has nothing to do with this, but this is the Arab nation, the sons of Ishmael. And this is a nation that God is promising her. And then in verse 11, he says, and the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child, and shalt bear a son, and shalt call his name Ishmael, because the Lord had heard thy affliction. The Lord had heard thy affliction. And the word here, affliction, God has seen your affliction. You know, she said that God has... Um, now she's going to say that this is God that sees me. You know, the, the word here is, uh, means that God listens. God, Ishmael, the word Ishmael means God listens. That's what Ishmael means. That God listens to her. God has seen and heard her affliction. God sees our affliction. And here we have the formulation of the Arab nation, of course, through Ishmael. And it's going to come out, it says, you shall call his name Ishmael. Now the word God sees me is, is a word that can call Eroi. The word God sees me is the God that sees me is the God is Elroy. And then in verse 12, he says, and he will be a wild man and his hand shall be against every man and every man hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of his brethren. Now he's going to be a wild man. God says he's going to be a wild man as it is known as the Arabs are wild according to Webster dictionary the word wild means not tamed not domesticated you know here is is a group of restless people he says it's going to be wild man and against every man and here is going to be a constant friction you know says constant friction is against every man and is going to dwell in the presence of his brethren that means he's going to be in the presence of his kinsmen the arab nation again galatians made it clear that there is no bond between isaac and ishmael and then we're going to talk about the allegory of Haggai. but here you have the two separate nations like um, jacob and esau We'll see that later on again, you know, just, just because they are brothers doesn't mean that God is dealing with an individual. God is calling out a nation here. The Old Testament is God dealing with nations. And later on, God was going to say to Rebecca, he said, two nations are in your womb. Okay. Though they are brothers, but God says two nations in your womb. And he says that elder will serve the younger but again it's not meaning that the 
the the the, the elder brother who is going to serve nowhere does um the elder Esau served Jacob, but here is just God is referring to nation. So same thing as here, when he called um, that the Arab nation will be uh, a wild and against every man. So he's calling out the nation of Arab, the Arab nation. And because in, in Genesis 21, verse 20 says, And the Lord was with the lad, and he grew and dwelt in the wilderness and became an archer. Now the Arabs are wilderness dwellers. Most of the time the Arabs live in places wilderness. And here that's what God is saying that he's going to be in the wilderness. He dwelt in the wilderness. And he grew and dwelt in the wilderness and became an archer. Verse 13 and she called the name of the Lord that spake unto her, Thou God that seest me. And she said, Have I also here looked after him that seeth me? In other words, she called him God El Roy. The God that seeth me. That's what it means. Here she encounters God. And one of the attributes of God is the God is the one, like I mentioned before, God sees us. God sees us and God hears us. And in her own revelation, God reveals to her as El Roy. And El Roy means the God that sees me. And she came to know God, that God alone. You know, God, of course, God had many attributes and we can come to know God in many attributes. But here she came to know God as the God that sees me and in corresponding to this text, the Lord Jesus Christ also knows the thoughts of man. Again, God knows the thought. When Jesus was here, he knew the thoughts and the feelings of man. One of them is in Matthew 22, verse 18. So Jesus perceived their wickedness. He perceived them. And then also, he says, why tempt me, ye hypocrites? That was in Matthew 22, verse 18. Also in Matthew 26, verse 21, Jesus says, Verily I say unto you, one of you will betray me. Because Jesus, did, nobody revealed it. Jesus knew man. He knew that somebody's going to betray him. And that became Judas. But here also, moreover, in uh, Matthew 26, verse 34, he said, Jesus said to Peter, he said, Before the cock crows, you will deny me, you know, three times and because he knows man Jesus knew man you know the Lord Jesus Christ also in Luke 20 21 all the way down to 24 you can see he knew he knew people's hearts feelings and minds and also more you can also read it more in Psalm 139 all the way from verse 7 to 12 to know that God sees us god sees um his foreknowledge god knows man knows what's in the man and that's the um, person Haggai encountered he encountered god that knows her that sees her that knows what she's thinking how she's feeling and this was personal to her okay we continue on in verse 14 it says wherefore the well was called Bielahai. Roy, Bielaheroi, 
and behold, it is between Kadesh and Bered. And Hagar bare Abram a son, and Abram called his son's name, which Hagar bare Ishmael. Now, it says here that Abram bore a son, and here Ishmael. Ishmael is a child of the law, and he had it by Hagar. And here I'm going to talk about the allegory, the allegory of Hagar, the Egyptian woman. And over in Galatians 4, 22 verse 26, it says, For it is written that Abraham had two sons, and the one by bond maid, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bond woman was born after the flesh. But he of the free woman was by promise, which things are an allegory for these are the two covenants and one from mount sinai which gendered to bondage is hagar for this hagar is mount sinai in arabia and answereth to jerusalem which now is and is in bondage with her children but jerusalem which is above is free which is the mother of us all now this in this allegory Hagar is the bond woman. She's the bond maid. And Hagar speaks of law. Hagar is the law. And the free woman here is Sarai. And Sarai speaks about the promise. This is the promise God has made to Abraham, which is the covenant. You know, through this is where we came as believers. Through this promise, you know, we came through this promise, but Haggai was speaks about the bondage, and and but the bond made, you know, the bond made here speaks towards Mount Sinai, because Mount Sinai is where the law was given, and that's what Haggai represents. But the free woman here is speaks and points to Jerusalem, which. He says, we are the children of the promise. And that's what we are. We are the children of the promise. And here God makes it clear that that which is flesh is flesh. And that which is spirit is spirit. And here Ishmael is through the flesh. Ishmael is came through the flesh. And finally here in verse 16, it says, And Abraham was fourscore and six years old when Hagar bare Ishmael to Abram, and it says that Abram was 86 years old now when Ishmael was born to him. So we're going to continue on in Genesis chapter 17. Until then, precious uh, saints, God bless you, and we'll talk again. Bye-bye.